Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God. His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. Thank you to the generous underwriters of Sharper Iron, the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. And Luther Classical College, a college for Lutherans by Lutherans, opening in fall 2025. Learn more at lutherclassical.org. On this Friday, June 30th, we are studying Revelation chapter 22, verses 6 to 21. In today's text, John hears the Lord Jesus promise that he is coming soon, and so the faithful apostle leads the church in praying, Come, Lord Jesus. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us returning guest, Pastor Doug Gribbenau. Pastor Gribbenau serves as mission advocate for KFUO Radio in St. Louis, Missouri. Pastor Gribbenau, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Well, thank you for having me back. It's always a joy to be with you all. It is a great joy to have you today, Pastor Gribbenau. As we get started, just to give us some context concerning the book of Revelation. It is a, an unusual book in the canon of Scripture. As we've talked with every guest in this series, how do we need to approach this book so that we receive it helpfully and beneficially as Christians? Well, you know, one of the wonderful resources that we have in our church body is the Lutheran Study Bible. And it has wonderful commentary, uh, wonderful exegesis within it. And, you know, if you, if you happen to have a Lutheran Study Bible, there's a little introduction. And before every book of the Bible, they do this, this uh, little intro of the history, a little bit of what Luther's written on it, the challenges for readers, the blessing for readers. And, you know, as I was preparing for this, I, I went through that, that beginning. And this little part in the challenges for readers stuck out to me. And it's, it's wonderful advice. And uh, in, in some ways, I would have to admit that my command of the Old Testament is probably uh, insufficient to do with the book of Revelation justice. And the irony is that we have this final book in all of Holy Scripture in the New Testament. And really, the foundation for that is, is all entirely in the Old Testament. And it's such a, a rich text. And St. John, more than really almost any New Testament writer, draws on the Old Testament and, and the imagery of the Old Testament and, and Hebrew idioms and the way of thinking and speaking. And so the, there's this admonition to us in this challenges for readers of the Lutheran Study Bible uh, that says, anyone wishing to understand the complex symbolism and visions of Revelation must first, A, uh, have a broad understanding of Old Testament prophecy generally, and a specific clear understanding of Ezekiel, Daniel, and Zechariah. If you've not carefully studied Old Testament prophecy, do not begin a study of Revelation. Do your homework. Study the Old Testament first. <laughs> and it's, it's a wonderful admonition for, for laity and, and, for, and for pastors. You know, do your homework. <laughs> it's a, and, and because Scripture is this amazingly powerful thing, it is the, it is the Word of God unto salvation. Um, and so we really ought to treat it with the kind of diligence and, and the understanding of such power, uh, that to wrestle with it and not, not take it as a, a sort of uh, additional thing to do during the day when you're bored. <laughs> you know, this really ought to consume a great deal of our thinking. 
Sure. And now having come through the entire book of Revelation and seeing those places in the Old Testament where John is referencing them, and I'm sitting here thinking, oh, I forgot that was there. It is a, a, a wonderful impetus to go back then and to look at the Old Testament, to go and, and learn that background anew and appreciate all the more what John has to say and what he writes here in Revelation. Now, we get the very last text of the book, the very last text of the entire scriptures this morning, Pastor Gribbenau. In terms of the book itself and the context within the book, what do we need to know as we approach this last text within Revelation? Well, you know, as I was reading it, I was thinking to myself, so often when we're dealing with God, and, and, and he uses this imagery that we are children of God, and you know, the faith like a child, well, so often we are kind of like children in the back seat of the car, and, and the Holy Trinity is driving up there, and, and what is the one question that little kids always ask? Are we there yet? <laughs> That's sort of what, what we're coming to here. Are we there yet? And, and Jesus says, I'm coming soon. <laughs> you know, and I am coming soon. My word is trustworthy and true. I'm coming soon. And, and we cyclically, you know, throughout all time, people have been saying to God, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And, uh, and our Father, you know, he says, yes, and I'm coming soon. We're, we're almost there. <laughs> well, and, and, and so to stick really with that's that, that image. This if I can stick with that image a little bit of the, the thought of, you know, are we there yet? Then the, the question when, when, when dad says from the front seat, well, no, we're not there yet, but we're going to get there soon. Then the, the question can become, well, what do we do until then? And I, I think that's also part of the answer that John gives us here. So Jesus says, I am coming soon. Well, what until then? Hold on to the words of this book. Uh, read the words of these book. Do not add to them. Do not subtract from these words, but, but hold on to them. Learn them. And I think not only, and we'll talk about this, I'm sure, as we get into the text, but not only to the book of Revelation, but also to the entirety of God's Word that's given to us in Holy Scripture. That's what we do while we're waiting, while we're, we're on the way there to the, are we there yet? And, and, you know, that's a really great segue to the very first verse that we're going to tackle today, which is that verse 6. You know, what the angel says, these words are trustworthy and true. Now, in the immediate context, you know, the angel's telling John, you know, these words, this revelation, or as the Greek word, the apocalypse, right, which is just a revealing. Uh, these words are trustworthy and true. So that's an immediate context here, but it really is applicable, and, and rightly so, to the entirety of God's special revelation that we know as Holy Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, these words are trustworthy and true, and we say amen. Amen. Let's go ahead and take a look at this text. This is Revelation 22, beginning at verse 6. And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, You must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book. Worship God. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me, to repay every one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, so that they may have the right to the tree of life, 
and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, Come, and let the one who hears say, Come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the prophecy, of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. That's our text for today. That's Revelation 22, verses 6 to 21. So, Pastor Gribbenau, I think one of the challenges of this entire section is to, to understand who is talking when. The, the ESV, if you have a red letter edition at least, kind of helps you out with some thoughts as to who is talking. Sometimes it's easier to tell than others. Sometimes maybe there's a little bit of question. In that first verse, though, it does seem pretty plain that this is the angel talking. He said to me, it was the angel who was showing John the river of the water of life and the tree of life previously. Makes sense that he's the one still talking there in verse 6. You mentioned a few of the things that he says there. Take us further into that verse. Well, certainly, and and yeah, the context here. This, the, you know, we have the, we have a, a pronoun, and so we know. And he, being the one who has just been addressing here, these words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophet, has sent his angel to show his servants what must take place soon. And there's a a really sort of important word there, uh, and we gloss over it sometimes. That must it, it's the divine day. Like this is this is um, established by God. And though we may not necessarily understand um, why certain things must take place, uh, they must, according to the Lord's will and his promise. Uh, in the same way, you know, we, we speak of you know, the, the Son of Man must be lifted up, our Lord says, you know, that this is an, a divine imperative. And so these things must take place. The, what has been recorded here in Revelation, symbolic and encyclical, uh, in the context of, of what John has been experiencing and seeing in this revelation, the word given to the seven churches, yes, these were real congregations, real ecclesia, facing real challenges, but these are also challenges that every Christian in every time and place will face and will endure. So that part of what this scripture is, is to, to give us a, a, a really a revealing revelation of how this, this uh, eschatology, this end times in which we are living now, what it actually looks like. You know, do not be dismayed. Do not be, um, you know, lose heart when hardship and troubles and persecutions come upon you, but know that you are God's child. You have been redeemed by Christ the crucified and made a child of God. And this is how this life before this second coming will be. And really, uh, Revelation unlike so much of the rest of Scripture, uh, gives us a, a, a really unvarnished look at Christ seated in his glory, uh, in the judgment seat, as the eschatological, the end times judge, full glory, shining and brilliant. And, and really, you know, if we look to the, each of the commandments, 
uh, worthy of our, our reverent fear, right? A recognition that this is the, the, the Lord God, the creator of the universe, uh, the, the sustainer, the redeemer, the one who is and has been and always shall be. And, and there's that title that comes a little later, uh, which Christ introduces to us, but I'm getting a little ahead of myself. <laughs> but he's showing his servants another sort of loaded word that we have in, in Scripture. The Greek, in a, in a sort of brutalistic way, can just be translated as slave. But there's a, a, a sort of reality that we lose if we just think of that in, in this you know, United States of America context of slavery, which is sort of different than what's intended with this Greek word doulos. And uh, you know, the, the old King James used bond servant, which is one who serves, one who works uh, without payment. And, and that's a really good description of what our life in Christ is like, our fealty to him. We serve him not for reward, not for mammon, not for glory, not for power. We serve him because it is the absolute natural outgrowth of the work of the Holy Spirit in us. We can do nothing other than, as Christians, to serve and love and fear God without any promise of recompense. So we are, we are bond servants. We are bonded to him, united with Christ and Christ with us, and we serve him gladly uh, and, and out of just the natural uh, results of, of who we have been made new in the waters of holy baptism. So a bond servant, that's really a wonderful way for us to see you know, that, that we, the bond servants bonded to Christ, serving him willingly and gladly, are now given this word of, of what must take place, what must happen, and knowing this, then to trust in, in his divine will. Mm. Now in verse 7, we get a, the words of the Lord Jesus. And again, you can see this from the context, although he's not introduced as the speaker here particularly. The words, behold, I am coming soon, indicate that we have a change in speaker here. So Jesus promises he's coming soon, and then he says, Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I think this fits in well with what you were saying about, are we there yet? Jesus says, soon, and while you're waiting, hold on to my words. Take us into verse 7. Well, yeah, you know, I am coming soon, and, and, and blessed, this is, this is um, throughout the, the epistle, or throughout this revelation, uh, you know, these kind of call back to those beatitudes that, that we had in the Sermon on the Mount. The blessing is, is that we hold fast, we guard, we retain. It's not a matter of just a, a sort of a head knowledge, but, but a really sort of um, physically consuming keeping uh, to treasure and to, uh, to study, to learn, to inwardly digest, right, as we would say in our catechism, these words, the simplest and most sort of direct sense for us to, to, uh, to keep these words of the prophecy, which is to, to trust in them and to, and to hold them and to really, in a sense, uh, take, take God at his word. He is coming soon. These things must take place. And, and really that uh, wonderful uh, sort of encapsulating prayer, amen, come Lord Jesus. Yeah. Well, and then and we don't we shouldn't miss the promise then that Jesus gives concerning holding on to the the words of this book. That one is blessed who does that. That's a, a beatitude, and we've seen these in the Book of Revelation in multiple places. In fact, this was this was one that came up in in chapter one. In fact, 
Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. That was Revelation 1, verse 3. Jesus now repeats that, and it's a, a helpful reminder for us as Christians that to, to hear and hold on to God's word, that is a, a blessing for us, not a, not a duty or a drudgery, but it's a great blessing. Well, yeah, to those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And, of course, the old Adam in us says, oh, the book of Revelation. Oh, my old Adam says, oh, the book of Numbers. There's too many, too many lineages, right? You know? But the new man in me says, yes, no, this is, this is God's word. I will hold fast to it. And it is a blessing. Amen. John identifies himself as the speaker in verse 8. He says, he's the one who heard and saw these things. And then we see something that, that happened previously in the book. He falls down to worship the angel. The angel says, don't do that. Take us into this scene in verses 8 to 9. Well, yeah, it, it's, um, angels are, are very, they're, they're a unique creature, right? You know, made of spirit, made to serve our, our Lord. Uh, and, and the wonderful piety that we see in Scripture, you know, with the wings that they cover their feet and their eyes, and with they, they fly with them. But angels, as as are we, uh, and really all of creation, are a reflection of of God, uh, the full Trinity there, and and we have become so accustomed to seeing ourselves that we are image bearers of God, that we find ourselves unremarkable. Uh, we're not accustomed to seeing angels, and 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 to have a different reflection of of God's glory in this creature. Um, especially one so foreign, it's sort of a natural uh, sort of human reaction uh, to, to be in awe and, 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 and maybe perhaps even to fall down and say, this is amazing, this is glorious. You, know, you have shown me these, these amazing wonders, uh, you know, and, and you must be so high above me. Right? That's sort of that natural uh, reaction that he falls down and the angel then reminds him, you, know, you and I, we are servants, you know, bond servants of of the one true God. He is the one worthy of it. A, a great reminder to us not to worship the creature, not to worship the creation, but to worship the creator. And, and a great reminder that, that in truth, we are the crowning jewel of God's creation. You know, taking us all the way back to Genesis, you know, the sixth day, uh, we, are, we are fashioned by God's own hand, right? He actually digs into the earth, takes that mother, forms you know, the human person, right, Adam and Eve, and forms us with his own hand and breathes directly into us the breath of life. All creation is made for this, this crowning jewel of humans. And, and really the angels, you know, present to see and witness, and you know, know that that is the truth, uh, that we are the very special object of God's love. And, uh, and so really a, a good reminder for him to say, you know, don't worship me. I mean, I'm paraphrasing what might have come out of the angel's mouth, but to say, no, you are the crowning jewel of, of God's creation. You are his special treasure. That he would send his own son to suffer and die for you, to redeem you and win you back from, from death, from sin, from the power of the devil. What, what greater proof do you need of, of his special love and care for you? Do not worship me, a fellow servant, another creature, but worship the one who has made heaven and earth. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and the one who has redeemed heaven and earth through the blood of his son, Jesus. And, it, you know, it's maybe striking to us that John does this not only once. We saw it happen in chapter 19 where he falls down at the feet of the angel and starts to worship him. The angel says, don't do that. Worship God only. So it, it might strike us that he does it once, but then twice again here 
at the same time, I think what, what you're saying is, is quite true that, I mean, he's, he's in the presence of, of the holy angel here, and that had to be an awe-inspiring sight, one that could have, I mean, and did, you know, cause John, even the apostle, to fall down and, and start to worship the angel. What a helpful reminder from the angel then to worship the one who created all things, the one who redeems all things through his son, to worship God alone. And it's, you know, I mean, on uh, on another level, and I think we talked about this in Revelation chapter 19, John has been hearing the revelation, he's been seeing things from this angel, the one who's been proclaiming the word to John. You know, still today, little children will look at pastors and, and they'll call us Jesus sometimes, and, and we always are quick to tell them the same thing. You know, no, I'm not Jesus. I tell you about Jesus. I'm a servant of him along with you, so let's worship him together. Seems like something similar is happening to John here, and it is a, a very helpful reminder from the angel, worship God, worship him alone. And, you know, so often we, uh, we do the same thing over and over and over again in this life. <laughs> And that's also why the scripture is so cyclical, too, because we have to learn and learn and learn. So, you know, the the angel, you know, John does the same thing he did before. We do the same thing all the time. Uh, and, re- and a reminder for us you know, always to, to worship the Lord uh, and not just that which is striking and majestic, you know, because God is worthy of worship, you know, whether he's presenting himself in a mundane way uh, to us, you know, revealing himself in, in the simple things of bread and wine. Uh, or just you know, ink on paper, and yet here is here is God, and and so we 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 revere and love and worship Him, in in no matter which way He has He has manifested Himself to come, uh, be that in word and sacrament or in a special revelation here with Saint John in the full glory of the heavenly kingdom. Yeah, that's a very helpful reminder. Do not worship that which seems majestic to your eyes, but worship that which God gives, even if it seems humble and mundane. Worship worship Him. That That is the where the true worship belongs, even when He comes to you in simple means. That's a very, very helpful reminder, Pastor Gribbenau. Now, as, as Jesus, or as John continues his revelation, the angel once again speaks in verse 10. He said to me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Talk us, talk to us about verse ten there. Well, you know the interesting thing is we we have another record of re, of a revelation, right, an apocalypse, and that's again going back to the Old Testament, the book of Daniel, and Daniel gets this sort of revelation. But his warning is, you know, keep this within, hold on to it until the appointed time. And really, this this then command. So desperate here for John, you know, make this known, send it out, uh, do not hide it, uh, but but broadcast this to everyone. Really helps to enforce this reality that that the the end times are coming. He is coming soon, and now is the appointed time. You know that that, that this revelation, uh, this uh, unveiling of where we are, uh, is imperative to be made known. Because you probably have discussed in, in, in a previous program, you know, sort of the way in which some people have misapproached revelation. You, know, you have this, this idea of a millennium, you know, that, that Christ is going to come back and then for a thousand, he's going to go away again. You get this little thousand years and then he's going to come again a third time. Well, you, when you really lay that out, you, there, there is you know, his incarnation, his, his death and ascension, and his coming, a singular coming. So 
this thousand that's been talking about is, you know, the period in which we find ourselves now. Christ has been ascended up to sit on the throne of God, you know, by his death and his resurrection. He has defeated the devil and all of his armies. You know, the battle is over. Tetelestai, it is done. The work is completed. And now we are awaiting that culmination of the kingdom on that last day. So it's not this uh, this strange period of, of um, well, what's going to happen next? And not a linear description, because Revelation is, is very cyclical. It tells us of what, what has been and what is, you know, where we are. In a sense, you know, the, the, the Trinity there in the front seat, you know, look outside the window. I am coming soon. See where we are. This is what it is. And so he's describing for us what we find in this, these last days until the Lord comes again. And so he's, it's important for us to understand where we are and, and where we're going, right? And that we will get there soon. And in this time then, you know, make this known. And, and then the Lord says, um, sort of in a, in a more eloquent way, but popular language would be, uh, you know, a godly kind of, you do you, right? <laughs> Let the evildoer do evil and the filthy still be filthy and the righteous still do right and the holy still be holy. You know, this is where we are, guys. And, you know, Walk in the way of the Lord. You know, the word is sufficient to, you know, show us our sin, to show us our Savior. The, the Holy Spirit calling us by the gospel to bring us to life and then hold fast to that and stay the course. You know, St. Paul you know, would, would say, you know, run the race with endurance and steadfastness. And, and so, you know, that, that's what God's saying. Let everyone know what's happening, where we are, where we're going, and I'm coming soon. And then hold, hold, hold the course, right? <laughs> Toe of the line, you know, th- those who have been called to righteous live in this righteousness, um, you know, and, and, uh, and permit people to conduct their own lives, but the, the righteous then to grow in their righteousness, even as the, the wicked will delve into greater depravity. Uh, but we, we hold to that word and we, and we make it known because it is by that word that, that even the most wicked uh, may be, you know, in, in the old Adam slain, put to death, that a new man may arise, one that we can call brother or sister in Christ. Mm. Yeah, the, the time is urgent, as Jesus says. The time is near, and so the word must be proclaimed. That is what the church has been about since this text was written and will continue to be about until the Lord Jesus returns, as this text tells us will happen soon. We're going to keep looking at this text on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron on KFUO. We are talking to Pastor Doug Gribbenall this morning about Revelation chapter 22. We'll be right back. Please stick around. What do you think of when you hear the word college? Expensive? Liberal? Woke? Imagine a college that is affordable. A college that is unapologetically conservative and Lutheran. A college that won't take a dime of federal funding. A college that teaches the best of our Western heritage. A college where students grow in the Christian faith instead of leaving it behind. This is Luther Classical College. A college by Lutherans and for Lutherans. Visit our website, lutherclassical.org. Subscribe, become a patron, and join the thousands who are making Luther Classical College a reality. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Friday, June 30th. We are studying Revelation chapter 22, verses 6 to 21 with Pastor Doug Gribbenau. 
He is mission advocate for KFUO Radio in St. Louis, Missouri. Pastor Griffin, now prior to the break, we were looking at the angels' words in verses 10 and 11. And verse 11 can strike us as a little strange, but I think the way that you were explaining it is helpful. You know, let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. It's not that the Lord Jesus wants the evildoer to do evil or the filthy to be filthy, but I think rather the, the point is that as the words of this book are proclaimed with the time being near, these things are revealed to be what they are, that the evildoer actually is doing evil, and the filthy actually is filthy, which would otherwise not be known apart from what the Lord reveals in Holy Scripture, such that these words end up becoming a call to repentance for those. The, the light is shining on the reality here so that people can truly see, and they can then be prepared for that judgment that is coming when Jesus comes again soon, which is where Verse 12 and following takes us. We hear the Lord Jesus interject yet again, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me. How will you be prepared for that day? By listening to the words of Jesus recorded in this book and the whole of, of Scripture, and then letting those words reveal to you who you are so that you might repent of that evil and turn and receive the righteousness that Jesus has for you. I think that's the, the way to connect verse 11 to verses 12 and 13. Help us into those words of Jesus there in verses 12 and 13. Well, you, you did a wonderful job of, of saying the, the righteousness that, that Jesus gives to you, because that's where we find ourselves in this verse 12. Our Lord says, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And, and so we, we sort of hear this, uh, I, I'm going to repay everyone for what he has done. <laughs> and we go, oh, well, see, there we go. We're, we're actually saved by works, not by grace, because it comes down to what you do, right? So the bad guys get the bad stuff and the good guys get the good stuff. And, and we just ignore that part of Scripture that says, you know, no one is good but God alone, right? <laughs> And, and of our own works, out of born of our own selves, right, out of, out of the flesh, yeah, we, we find ourselves to be simply the wicked, uh, who are filthy and who are evil. And, and, and so we, we really then have to look back to see what it is that the Lord has, has said, you know, that, that he has redeemed us. He has taken our sins, our depravity, on that cross, buried them with him to be a, the victor, to vanquish them, to destroy death with his death, and to establish then our, our justification in his resurrection. He then gives to us, this is that great exchange, he gives to us, not that we deserve any of it, all of his righteousness, every gift of heaven. He makes us children of God, to which we are entitled then to all the good things, and inheritors of, we, can, we possess these things. And so he says, you know, I am bringing my recompense with me. This is a window into what we sometimes call the alien work of Christ. And, and that just means it's outside of what, you know, fundamentally who he is. Uh, sometimes we speak of the Trinity as uh, God the creator, uh, Jesus the, uh, the, um, the redeemer, and the Holy Spirit the sanctifier. Sometimes we, we sort of put it in those areas. Now, they're all intimately involved with each other, but... You know, Christ really is, he's the redeemer. That, that, you know, that is the, why he was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, why he lived and suffered and died 
why our God died for us and, and raised again. And so we now have this alien work where he has to, instead of being the redeemer, instead of exercising, not, not being, but exercising this, this redemption, which he is doing perpetually uh, from the cross with his, with his passion, but now he also has to be that judge and separate the sheep and the goats. And he has to say, you go away to the place that was prepared for the devil and his angels, uh, you know, to, to that, uh, the fallen angels, to that place of, of, of suffering and torment. You know, and, and you do that because you have rejected the gospel. You've rejected this free gift of salvation uh, that I have purchased and won for you with my blood, right, with the very blood of God. And to the, uh, to the sheep, you know, come into the heaven, to the place that was prepared for you from the foundation of the world, right? To these mansions, this, this wonderful kingdom. And, and so we have that view of that, that alien work. And his recompense is then to give to those according to what he has done. And for the wicked, it is, it is every sinful thought, word, deed, uh, things you've done, things you have left undone or failed to do. For us, it is not. <laughs> it, 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 the things that we are done are, are the good works that Christ prepared for us from before the foundation of the world that we should walk in them. That's part of this new reality of who we are, this new creature in the waters of holy baptism. You know, in, you know, people of the eighth day, right? Rising with Christ on that eighth day, that Sunday Easter morning. And so the works that we have are the ones that he has placed into our hands, that we may walk in, that we may do, uh, not by our own power or doing, but by the power of the Holy Spirit working in us. And so we are repaid with <laughs> by God for the righteousness that he has given us. I mean, it's a wonderful con job that he pulls on himself <laughs> to give us every gift of heaven, even though we are the, the stinkiest, dirtiest, filthiest ne'er-do-wells <laughs> you might ever imagine. And that's and that's a wonderful thing, uh, and 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 then he he reiterates, you know, the full divinity of the Godhead there, with with this Lamb, this this you know this Lamb of God taking away the sin of the world, uh, the slain yet standing Lamb, as my professor in seminary would say, and there he is. I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am eternal. I am beyond this creation, uh, the first and the last. You know, he's standing where with, with the Father, eternally begotten, the one through whom all things were made, and the last now upon that throne on the last day when the, you know, the old creation wiped away the new heavens and the new earth coming in then. He is the beginning and the end. And, and really not just the beginning and the end in a temporal sense, but he is the beginning and the end of, of our life, our faith. You know, he is the, the founder and perfecter of our faith. It is it, the beginning of our faith is found in Christ Jesus. And the object, the end of our faith, is in this, this God-man, Christ Jesus, who has, has redeemed us and brought us out of darkness into his marvelous light to be made into this image of him, joined with him and he with us into this mystical body of the church, which is the body of Christ. So the beginning and the end, the fullness of all. And, and he's really just reminding us of, of well, and in, in, in this revelation that, that the unity of the Godhead is really manifest and found in Christ Jesus who sits upon this throne on the last day uh, in, in this, this glorious new kingdom uh, that, you know, if we were to behold it as John did, we'd probably find ourselves on our knees uh, maybe even a few more times than St. John. At least I think I would.
Now, verse 14 is where I wonder about who's speaking. The ESV does not put these words in red as if they're not the words of Jesus. I wonder, I wonder if maybe this is still Jesus talking, because he's definitely talking again in verse 16. So I kind of wonder if, if maybe verses 14 and 15 are, are meant to also be heard from the words of, of Christ, but maybe not, as the letters of the ESV have it. So verses 14 and, and 15 say, Blessed are those who wash their robes, so that they may have the right to the tree of life, and that they may enter by the, the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and, and others who are listed. We, we've seen this theme previously in these last chapters of Revelation, those who come into the holy gifts of God and how they do so, and those who do not receive the holy gifts of God and why they don't. Take us into these two verses, 14 and 15. Yeah, backing up just briefly, this parallels so many of the parables that our Lord tells, especially that of the wedding feast, mm -hmm. right, of, of the ones inside and the ones outside. But it, it beautifully connects in verse 14 with how it is that we are repaid according to what we have done. Because, and it takes us right back to holy baptism, blessed are those who wash their robes, right? Wash their robes in the blood of the Lamb, which we've heard earlier in Revelation here, right? These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation, which which is really, you know, this side of glory, that they washed their robes and made them clean in the blood of the Lamb, right? And and so in baptism is where we are given this new life, this this new inheritance, and made children of God. And that's really where we come then to this, that they may have the right to the tree of life, uh, that they have the authority to to take of it, to eat of it, it is and, and not just authority as in like I can exercise this over someone, but the tree of life belongs to you, just as the church belongs to you. Right? Not, none of us is going to wander in on a weekend and steal a pew and put it in our living room, even though that pew belongs to you, right? Because this is this is our church. You know, we belong together with it. But we we not only have that right, but we are authorized and 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 we have this possession of this gift, this tree of life that is, you know, the, that is the fruits of Christ, right? The, the tree of life that is the cross and, and where we get this, uh, the, the, the heavenly food that, that is nourishing and true and pure. And that we also then may have the right, because that's really sort of connected with it, the right to the tree of life and that they may enter by the city gates. That we, we go into this new heaven and new earth, this, this, the, the kingdom of God, and we do so um, you know, in in the public, in the formal, uh, in the in the way in which one who owns something comes in, you go by the city gate, where everyone may see, and it's the right place to go. And, you know, I go in my front door with with my key because it's my house, right? And I walk inside. If I were to lock myself outside and have to be jimmying open a window, you know, a police officer comes by, he'd go. I'm not sure that this guy actually belongs in this house. Why is he crawling in through the window, right? You go through the city gates because this is your home. This is your place. This is where you are. You are an, an, an heir of life everlasting. You are a child of God. Everything that God has, he has given to you. This is your city. This is your kingdom. Walk in the, you know, the front door uh, because it is yours. Uh, and, and you are an absolute heir. And, and so... That's really this this wonderful description of, of what baptism is. It you know makes us a new creation, gives us every gift of heaven, every single one, and may and 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 more than that, heirs of it. It is ours. Belongs to you. Uh, life, salvation, all of creation is yours uh, because 
The Father has given it to you because you are his child. And outside of the ones who are, who are not, right? And, and we have, again, almost, it's not an exhaustive list, but it really kind of covers all the bases. Uh, you know, every kind of, of sinfulness, really. You have the, the, the dogs and the sorcerers, um, you know, the, the ones who are trying to get power by themselves through their own means, you know, the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters, which is really, you know, like all things, comes back to that first commandment, to not fear love and God, trust God in all things, but to serve your flesh, to serve your desires, to serve your, uh, your, your most uh, wicked depravity. And so it's, it's actually a pretty good exhaustive list, and it really all comes down to idolatry of wanting to be God instead of to serve and love and to worship God only, right? Worship God, as the angel has reminded us. Mm. Now, Jesus certainly is speaking in verse 16. He identifies himself. He says he sent his angel to testify to you about these things for the churches, and then he calls himself the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. When Jesus here says that he sent his angel to testify about these things, my mind goes back to the letters that were written to the seven churches in chapters two and three of the book. And throughout those letters, in the, the episodes we talked about those, we considered the possibility that the angel of those churches was the pastor of those churches. And I, I wonder here if that might be the referent when Jesus says, I've sent my angel, I've sent my messenger, your pastor perhaps, to testify to you about these things. I don't know if that's the case or not. If you got a thought on it, Pastor Gribbon, I'd love to hear it. Help us into verse 16. Well, you know, much as I had, had said when, when we first got into this in verse 6, you know, these words are trustworthy and true. There is that immediate context. Um, you know, th- there's the angel who is speaking with John, who is sort of taking him on this grand tour of the new heavens and the new earth. Uh, yes, this angel has been come to testify uh, to you about these things for the churches, for these seven ones, right? These, these actual physical places. So absolutely, it would be, it's really this angel speaking to you, John, right now about these seven churches we've talked about and the challenges they're facing. But the but the truth is, yeah, the 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 word uh, angel or angelon, right? You know, it means messenger, the one who has been given this message. And what a wonderful message, really, each of us has been given in this word, right? To to make known. Uh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and what He has done, and the challenges that that these that God's people are facing, you know, that He's explained and said, "Look out the window." While we're not there yet, we are going to be there soon. This is where we are. This is what's going on, and these are the challenges that these seven churches in the first century there, real churches, faced. These challenges that that, you know, whatever, multiply seven by however many to get how many congregations or churches, ecclesia are out there today, these same challenges we continue to face. And this this messenger, this message given to you for, well, for a, 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 a warning, uh, but not even so much a warning as much as an encouragement that, lo, I am, I am coming soon. He keeps saying that to us, right? It's lest, lest we forget his promise. I am coming soon. Uh, behold, I'm coming soon. Behold, I'm coming soon. At least this time, and and maybe this actually is a good, um, a good uh, weight in favor of saying that verses 14 and 15 are still our Lord speaking, because really, when He's speaking here in this last chapter, you know, he, He's always saying, "Behold, I am coming soon," and then in 12, "Behold, I am coming soon." He doesn't 
say that at the start of 16. So really, if we maybe take 14 to 15 as part of that, because that's that's a reminder before he speaks to us. Behold, I'm coming soon. And then, you know, skipping to the very end almost here, uh, not, not behold, but surely, <laughs> surely I am coming soon, right? So I think there might be something to uh, 14 and 15. That maybe maybe we should print those in red uh, because he, he always is introducing us to that wonderful reminder. I'm coming soon, you know. <laughs> Are we there yet? I'm coming soon. <laughs> very good, very good. Now in, in verses 17, or in verse 17, then other voices speak. The spirit and the bride say, come. The one who hears should say, come. And then the one who hears that invitation should come. Now, I'm going to give you a warning because I know we've got a bit of text here. We've got about 10 minutes here, Pastor Gribbenoff, so help us into to verse 17, but make sure you leave time for, for other things we need to talk about. Oh, okay, very good. All right. I, I'm going to back this up real quick just to the, the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. Old Testament prophecy, this is a part of that Old Testament imagery that should recall all of these promises, the prophetic promises of God. You know, the, the word that was given to us for our confidence as we march through this 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 life. Uh, and so just briefly, you know, the, the root, the descendant of Jesse, Jesse he is the, the Lord of our Lord, right? And the bright morning star, that prophecy, which, you know, and, and not just that the star was of the Messiah hanging over, guiding us to it, but that he himself is that bright morning star. Uh, so the spirit and the bride, which is here again, that, that image of the elect lady of the church, right? Uh, the Holy Spirit with uh, with us Christians, right? The Ecclesia, we say, come, and and it's really it's a it's a one word prayer. Uh, what what has Jesus been saying to us? Behold, I am coming soon, and we say, well, come, come. We we are anxious and desiring you to be with us now, uh, to bring this fulfillment to an end. So come, and the one who hears. For faith comes by hearing, right? Hearing the word of Christ. So we hear this gospel preached when it is said, you know, come, and we and we join our voices to it. You know, come, and let the one who is thirsty come, and the one who desires take the water of life without price. This is this is speaking of of the gospel, the gospel that enlivens us, that is the free gift of grace. It is without price, and the one who desires to live forever. Well, where is where is the one place that we are promised to have life and salvation, but in Christ Jesus? And so it is a prayer to our Lord to say, "Come, come, Lord Jesus." And and we can say in in, a, in an extension because of the very nature of the gospel, this invitation out of darkness into the marvelous light of Christ that that it's a that it's both and also an imperative that we speak to the world, "Come, come unto salvation." Tell us about the warning that is given in verses 18 and 19. Well, you know, this is uh, a very much akin to the way in which Moses had presented God's statutes and commands uh, to Israel. You know, that, that if, you, if you add to these things, if you take them away, uh, then in a, in a very sort of uh, short way, you know, bad things are going to happen. You know, if, if you aren't, aren't going to hold it to the source of your life, your light and your salvation, then you will find yourself out in the weeds, out in the darkness, outside the car, on the side of the road, in the, the weeping and the gnashing of teeth. Uh, you know, as, as our Lord is saying, we're almost there, and we say, you know, when are we going to get there? And, and, and so it really is, it, it's back to, again, that Old Testament of, of these words, uh, because these words are um, 
the full counsel of God. And, and, and <laughs> you can't just take what you like and leave the rest. And you can't just, you know, kick out the part you don't care for. And that's a struggle for us because we say, you know, when, you know, when are we going to get there? And, well, you know, did God really say this? It's the challenge that we've had since the garden, uh, the challenge the old man has always had uh, to sort of distrust in the Lord, uh, in his word, and, and to say, well, maybe, did God really say, did God really mean uh, that we need to have that faith of child? You know, I may not understand it, but my Lord God has said it to be, and so I I, I trust and I believe in him. I fear, love, and trust in him above all things, even my own rationalization, even my own reason and intellect, because those are, those are corrupted. Uh, and, and the only source of truth and his eternal, everlasting, underlying truth of reality is found in, in the, the one true God, for he is the way, the truth, and the life. Mm. Now we hear again from our Lord Jesus giving us that reminder in verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. The response is, Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Take us into that that verse, verse 20. I, I love how you know Christ is then referred to as the one who is testifying to these things. This, you know, this, so this is he is the author. You know, and, and and that is, you know, the, the Triune God, the Holy Spirit, the author of all things. We have to I think appropriately take this to be the full revelation of, of Holy Scripture. You know, these things, the one who testifies to these things, the one who makes the, um, the witness, right, who, who establishes and says this, the, the truth of this, um, surely I am coming soon. Mm-hmm. And it's, a, it's sort of a wonderful uh, uh, reflection of what John was saying, you know, in verse, let's look, see, verse 8. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things, right? And when I heard and saw them, I fell down. But he's saying, you know, and, and, and earlier in the Gospel of John, you know, he mentions how he is the one who has testified to these things, right? That this is, you know, the truth and I know what I've seen. And so now Christ is saying, I, you know, who, effectively the testator, the one who has established and said these things, now recalling back to us, surely I am coming soon. And that's a wonderful, uh, wonderful reminder. I am coming soon, you know, because we so quickly fall back to that. Um, but, uh, but the one who testifies to these things, who's established the veracity and the truth of it, uh, the creator uh, and sustainer of all things, reminds us that I am coming soon. And, and the, the way in which, and we can't do anything else as bondservants, as, as made in the image and likeness of Christ by the waters of holy baptism, we say, come, <laughs> come, Lord Jesus. Uh, you know, are we there yet? <laughs> I guess that, that could be our secondary prayer, you know, <laughs> instead, of, instead of amen, come, Lord Jesus, amen, are we there yet, Jesus, <laughs> right? That's right. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Now, John concludes the whole book in verse 21 with, what you might be familiar with, with St. Paul's conclusions to his epistles, it sounds very similar. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all, and then he concludes with the word, amen. Words that are very easy to, to skip over. We know what they mean. We hear them all the time. Pastor Griffin, all we've got about two and a half minutes here. Help us to, to wrap this up on our text today for the book of Revelation with this last verse. All right. A quick wrap up in that I, I remember the, the old joke of, 
you know, the seminary class is sitting there studying Revelation, and they've been told so many times you can't understand Revelation. It's the most challenging book of all of Scripture. And one of the guys has his kid there with him that day, and uh, the professor says, who can tell me what the book of Revelation means? And the little kid raises his hand, and, and the professor calls on him. He says, God wins. Yeah. And, you know, I always sort of laugh at that because it is the truth. But I think there's a, a little uh, tweak we can make to that. Not just God wins, uh, but God God has won, God is winning, uh, God wins eternally because this victory is outside of of this little cosmos that the Lord has created. It is it is you know happened at that cross at Golgotha, the effects of which echo throughout all creation, throughout all time, and remake reality uh, in this new heaven and the earth. So not only God wins, but He's won. The battle is over. He's winning even today as we go through this time of tribulation, and he has won eternally because that is the reality uh, that undergirds all of creation, that the Lord God has purchased and redeemed and won us, drawn all things to himself, and is making it all new as the kingdom is bursting forth with the fullness of it to come on that last day. So God is winning, has won, and will win forever. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Pastor Doug Gribbenaw is Mission Advocate for KFUO Radio in St. Louis, Missouri. He has been helping us today to study Revelation chapter 22, verses 6 to 21. Pastor Gribbenaw, thanks for being our guest today. My pleasure. Have a wonderful day. Are we there yet? Jesus promises he is coming soon. As we wait for that blessed day, we study his word, we stay in his word, we are nourished by his word, we hold on to it, for we know that our Lord Jesus Christ has won the victory. He is our life now and forever, and so we join in that prayer of the Church. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. I am your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Faith Lutheran Church in Godfrey, Illinois. Thanks for joining us throughout this study of the book of Revelation. Starting in the month of July, we will be picking up selected psalms, learning how to pray from them to join in the prayer of the Church throughout the ages, the prayers that our Lord Jesus used. Please join us in July to study selected psalms. Thanks for spending the morning with us. Talk to you again next week.